Hi, this is Lindsey Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast for Friday, April the 17th. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about the latest coronavirus updates, including uh, a, a big breakout in uh, of cases in prisons and other lockups and future talks of uh, how how the state might resume somewhat normal operations and uh, and when that could be. We'll also talk about official uh, intervention in the state's bid to shut down the only surgical abortion provider. And we'll touch at least briefly on the fiscal session of the legislature wrapping up, uh, including some political intrigue on who will be the, the next Senate president uh, when, the, when the Senate convenes again. I'm joined as usual by Max Brantley. Afternoon. So uh, let's talk latest coronavirus news. Uh, the governor at, at his uh, news conference today spent most of his time talking about the future and his hope that the state can begin to uh, open up to some degree on May 4th. Well, the governor's always wanted to go back to work and has tried to keep as much business open as possible. I think today's briefing was prompted, of course, by Donald Trump's call with the governors yesterday in which he says, OK, I'm going to I'm going to leave it all up to you guys on what to do. But we put together these guidelines on, on how you should proceed. And, you know, some of the, some of the things make sense. I mean, you, you know, you you're not supposed to move into your first phase of going back to work until you've showed a, a marked decline in the number of new cases and a number of people reporting flu symptoms and that sort of thing. And the, the Trump clearly is anxious to say the first of May America's going back to work. Well, it won't be that easy, of course. But the governor uh, praised him for what he had to say and uh, then went on to say that we're setting a goal of May 4th to clear the gateway to begin the first phase of, of going back to work again. Now, this is a pretty limited thing. For example, it would not include schools. Interestingly, it does include large venue of places such as movie theaters where they say, but you'd have to observe strict social distancing. I mean, does that mean casinos? Does that mean football stadiums? Uh, the governor was asked about the Razorbacks and said, I don't think he was ready to say that people feel comfortable going to football game next fall. Although maybe by midsummer things will be so much better that, that perhaps they can. He's interested, I think, in, in reopening hospitals and clinics to elective procedures uh, you know, that's, that's a big part of the, you know, I think hospitals probably employ more people than anybody than any other single industry in the state. So you can see that. And also some people have some true medical needs, although they can wait, it would be nice to get some of them done. Well, you know, to me at the same time, it seems to me counterindicated to be too optimistic, given that we now know there's been an explosion of cases in prisons. We, the, the numbers have been low simply because they haven't tested enough. Now the number at Cummins in multiple barracks is over 120. It's 60 at a community or 80 or 90 at a community correction center in Little Rock, 60 at a federal prison in, in, in Far City. Of course, these people are all trapped up in there together, but a lot of the workers go home. I, I still am of the mind, and, and I'm no scientist, but a lot of scientists say the same thing, that until we have a whole lot more testing, 
we're playing with fire on opening up places and, and seeing the virus resurge. Uh, Nate Smith, the health director, said, well, he has four priorities for reopening. First, that we get the economy moving again. Well, I, you know, that wouldn't have been my first priority, but clearly <laughs> it's the Republican politicians. And then he talked about looking after the, the at-risk populations, old people like me, and also about keeping health workers safe and also being sure we have adequate health facilities. I think I'd have reversed the order in which I outlined my priorities, whether he meant it that way or not. But anyway, that's that's what we're talking about. We'll see. I, the governor was asked the question about, well, what about Pulaski County, where there's a huge breakout of cases? And he said, well, you know, and this is kind of what Trump said, is that some places are better able to reopen than other places. And, you know, that's what they say. And on the strength of the the figures we have, maybe that's true. But at the same time, we have one city in South Dakota with a meatpacking plant that's had this horrendous outbreak in an otherwise rural state. I, I just think any any notion of saying we know this or that about the extent of the disease, given the fact that asymptomatic people can can transmit it very readily, is just a guessing game. That's all. Yeah, uh, the uh, covered the Little Rock Coronavirus Task Force yesterday is made up of Little Rock hospital leaders and they talked about this and and their their public meetings are uh, often much more interesting than the governor's because you have all these uh, you know health professionals who are, who are talking at least seemingly candidly about the future and uh, Amanda Novak who's an infectious disease specialist for Baptist Health and who always has interesting things to say. She was impressive. Yeah, your article with what she said was impressive. I, I mean, she echoed your your call. We, you know, we really need more testing and that's going to be key. Steppy Meta, the head of UAMS said, sure, we need more testing, but really what we're going to have to do is just adhere very strictly to the, the guidelines, continued social de- uh, distancing, um, mandatory masking for everyone. Um, and and good hand hygiene, and they they sort of batted that around. And of course, they were talking specifically in the context of hospitals. Though I think that that the the basic formulation will apply to workers genu- generally. But uh, you know, the thing they landed on is all of this stuff works as long as people do it. But if there's a weak link, then you know everything is thrown out. So I mean, just. Obviously, the the public, uh, some of the public relations campaigns have been successful. People are not out as much, but you know that we are flooded with anecdotal uh, tips about all the places throughout the state and in Litterac that are not adhering to social distancing, where people aren't wearing masks. It's just a mess. No, and and the minute you open something somewhere, it's going to send a message. That it's okay if you open a movie theater in Jonesboro. Why didn't somebody in Little Rock say I can't go to the movie? I, I don't know. I I mean th- this virus. There's so much we don't know about it, and 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 I I'm kind of you know Davy Carter, who's sort of a moderate Republican, has sort of emerged as a as a champion on on social media. Of, it's too late to test. We just got to open it up and take the consequences. Well, that's a that's a pretty cold outlook, I have to say, given what's happened, like in England, that took the the, the, the notion that uh, herd immunity would eventually take hold. But clearly, the vaccine is not the answer 
anytime soon. I mean, it's more than a year away, if ever. I mean, it, it, this virus may defeat a really, truly comprehensive vaccine. Now, there is some hope about treatment. And I think if some of the news that's going around about some experimental drugs turn out to be correct, that if we can treat the disease in concert with isolating people, then maybe we have a chance. But you isolate people by doing really intensive contact tracing and intensive testing. And Trump has left it to the states to do it the best they can. Arkansas is a great example. We have a, well, we're not that much lower in a lot of places, but we have a low testing rate. But the reason we now know Cummins has broken out with cases is because the VA hospital in Little Rock, which has much greater lab capacity, volunteered to help test inmates. And lo and behold, when they could test a bunch of them, 50% of them have the virus. So I, we just don't know what we don't know. And I, I, today there's a report of a nurse up in Walnut Ridge that has 22 people. I mean, you know, so Walnut Ridge, I mean, uh, up in Randolph County or whichever county it is up there near Randolph anyway. But it's, uh, I mean, that's not in the center. It's not an urban city. It's kind of out in the country. It's, I mean, old people in a concentrated setting are certainly at risk, but all you need is one person in there to screw things up. Yep. So uh, we talked last week about uh, the the state requiring the uh, the last surgical abortion provider to shut uh, for clearly political reasons. Uh, federal judge Christine Baker issued a temporary restraining order blocking that from going into effect earlier this week. Yeah, she's a she's a brilliant judge, and her opinions are so thorough and well done. Uh, doesn't mean she won't get overturned by the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. Briefs are flooding into the Eighth Circuit. The Attorney General Leslie Rutledge went straight up there to try and get uh, Judge Baker's uh, in temporary restraining order overturned. And there's a deadline for briefs Monday. They won't rule until next week. They're very conservative. There's a difference, as I said, between Texas, where a Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has overturned part of an order down there because their order was only, I think, of two weeks duration or three in Arkansas. The thing is open-ended. But, you know, I, I mean, it's, to me, it's a clear case. There is no health benefit of shutting this clinic down, and it creates a terrible burden on women, an undue burden, exactly the thing the Supreme Court has said you can't do to deprive people of their abortion rights. Uh, however, the landscape judicially is changing, and I don't think it's by any means certain Baker will be upheld by the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. She's made a heck of a case and, and a hurry-up opinion for how real this is. It, 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 it immediately affected some 20 women whose uh, appointments had to be canceled, and there are a number of them who, if they were delayed, as long as this order is delayed, they'll be either one forced to have a more dangerous later term abortion or not be able to have the abortion at all. And of course, that's that's the objective of enforcing this rule. That's what Leslie Rutledge wants. That's what the legislators wanted, who forced Hutchinson and Nate Smith, who had who frankly had been reluctant to enforce this order against uh, surgical abortions. That's what they want, is they want a backdoor abolition of abortion. And you can see it in the in the petitions that have weighed in in the court. It's all these same southern states that have come up with this strategy to, to put abortion providers out of business. Okay, well, speaking of politics, the 
state legislature wrapped up its fiscal session. It was a, a real hurry up effort. Yeah, you know, I mean, they kind of just came in and passed the budget bills and went home with, oh, you know, there was some very limited amount of belly aching about college funding formula and about sending money to China. But otherwise, they just in basically five days of meeting did everything they had to do. We don't really need to have this fiscal session. Unfortunately, it's not required by the Constitution. But uh, so that happened uh, there. You know, there's a couple of hundred million dollars in the lowest category of funding that almost certainly won't be funded. The big question is whether they're going to have to make still further cuts before the year's over. You know, we're just catastrophic declines in revenue and employment in Arkansas. So the outlook isn't good. It's kind of, that's why ASA of course wants to get people back to work as soon as possible. The most interesting news was this political intrigue over electing the next Senate leader for next year. I thought. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that. Uh, Jimmy Hickey from Texarkana, was the surprise winner over Bart Hester. Right. They, they had a Republican caucus meeting a few days ago, and the caucus voted for Hester to be the next Senate pro tem after Jim Hendren, another Northwest Arkansas candidate, somebody caught us solidly in the Hutchinson dynasty wing of the Republican Party. Well, when it came down to the vote, and it's a secret ballot vote, you just mark an X on a paper ballot, and as soon as the votes are counted, they're shredded, so there's no way to do any analysis of the handwriting or anything. So we don't know for sure how it turned out, but uh, but Jimmy Hickey won. Bart Hester said, I thought I had the votes, he, and he was surprised. And it's it seems, well, it's abundantly clear, number one, that he didn't get all the... Custom is, is that if the caucus votes for somebody, then the caucus unanimously affirms that decision when the vote is cast. Well, clearly that didn't happen this time. And so some Republicans did not vote for Hester. And, and I would say it's pretty clear that all the Democrats voted for uh, voted for for Hickey or, or else they, they voted for Hester and, and eight and 18 Republicans fled him, which which seems unlikely. So so I think it's more likely it was a Democratic uh, Republican compromise. The interesting thing is, is, again, the votes are. Are, are secret, but number one, one person is, is identified as a Hickey supporter, and that's Senator Terry Rice, because he was designated to be the overseer of the ballot counting, and he's from the far right end of the spectrum in the Senate, and he has some friends who are also at that end. I mean, there's some speculation that people like Trent Garner might have joined the Hickey forces in part because he was mad that he couldn't get the Hutchinson administration to stop spending money in China on economic development. Uh, the, the strong thinking is, is it was a very conservative wing of the party that, that went with Hickey, which is kind of ironic given the Democrats, they, they, they had to make, had, had to join hands with some very liberal Democrats to do it. The, there was also some some oh, hip, hypocrisy in Terry Rice being there. In 2012, he was a Republican candidate for House Speaker. And uh, a group of Republicans who were somewhat more moderate joined with the Democrats to elect Davy Carter, a somewhat more moderate Republican, as a House Speaker. And Terry Rice was terribly bitter about it being betrayed by Republicans on this. And now, now the shoe's on the other foot and he's doing some kicking with it. So that was, that was an interesting angle. I, 
Bart Hester, of course, is no moderate. He's about as bad as they come. I mean, he's beat up on gays, beat up on immigrants, beat up on liberals, beat up on Democrats, beat up on black judges, has used his legislative office to feather his own personal interest. You know, just a, just an awful person. And, uh, and, and, and I thought his speech was just such a load of crud. <laughs> he said, you know, when I first came to the Senate, I, I tried to, you know, fight everybody and I didn't care who I offended. And I've learned you've got to treat people with respect and decency. And I'm a different guy. And that's such a load. He's just a bully and a jackass still. But, and I think that probably played at least some role in the outcome is, is his nature. But both Democrats and Republicans have told me you could really boil this down very simply. And that is that Hendren ran the Senate in a genial, kindly, polite way, but pretty much given the governor, his uncle, everything he wanted. And, and the governor has accrued tremendous power. And there are a lot of people in the Senate, and Jimmy Hickey was one of them, who bridled it always having to do what the governor said to do, that thinks the legislature has a prerogative, that, that, that they're in co-equal branch of government, and that they should have a say in how things are decided. And they felt they were left out of the process frequently and made to accept whatever the governor put down. Some of that's happened in the, in the legislative session and the recent money section. I mean, people who wanted to make sure UAMS had extra money to deal with coronavirus said, well, just wait, we'll take care of you later. Don't want to do that now. As one small example that Democrats figured in that, that they had to bow to whatever it was that the governor insisted they do on the budget. So I think that there we're in for some interesting times that there's going to be some pushback to the governor from the Senate, at least. And we'll see if from the house, I don't know. So there's, so there was that, but in any event, I, I'm not going to shed any crocodile tears over Bart Hester losing the leadership position because he's also a, a school voucher, school choice, Walton beat up the public schools guy. And so, I mean, there's, there's no way he would have given anything to a single Democrat on any issue, whether Jimmy Hickey will or not remains to be seen. But if, if they can get any scrap from him, it's better than nothing. So does this take effect in the general session, or is it does it matter in interim? No, it, that will only it'll only be in 2021, and 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 I guess theoretically, you know, there are two seats in the Senate are going to change at least. Uh, one guy from Jonesboro got beat, and he'll be replaced by although by an even more right wing guy, and. Uh, so in theory, the, the votes, I don't think they'll revote it, but in theory, this isn't until 2021. If they have to have a special session, and I'm still thinking the likelihood of that is great because of the money uncertainty, uh, Hendren will still be the leader. Okay. All right, well, let's move on to endorsements. What do you have this week? Well, I got I got endorsed trios. I'm going to go get dinner there tonight. And I mean, they, they, uh, they win the prize, I think. I mean, you can't, you can't beat. Their $32 lasagna for four with salad and rolls deal, and it's good quality, and they're good people. But here's some pro tips about trios if you're inclined to follow in my direction on this. Three of them for you. First of all, Arkansas strawberries are in. They're selling their strawberry shortcake, which is world class. Pro tip is if you order it to go, ask them to pack the parts separately so the shortcake doesn't get soggy before you can get home and put it together <laughs> yourself. Second, second pro tip on their to go menu on their website, you can order from, they don't list Peter Pan pie, but if they've got some left over from lunch, you can order a slice and add that to your order too. I love Peter Pan pie, chocolate and peanut butter. 
peanut butter. Can't beat that. And then finally, pro tip, take a look at the wine list on their on the website to go menu. They're selling wine at incredibly cheap costs. I, I bought a bottle of French rosé tonight that cost eleven dollars. Wow. Um, I mean, I'm telling you, it's nuts. So go to Trio's and give them a big tip. Okay, yeah. I I, I have two recommendations then, just piggybacking off yours. Uh, we got takeout from the Root Cafe that was excellent, and everybody was just oohing and on over, over all the food, and, you know, they're good for kids and adults the same. But they also have a market. Uh, the Arkansas Nonprofit News Network did a story that included them, but you can get – uh, all sorts of things for the market, fresh vegetables, strawberries when they're available, eggs. They had they had an egg supplier who was, you know, counting on providing them with just some enormous number during normal operations. And when all this happened, you know, he still had the eggs. So they're they're trying to unload them and a pretty good price. You could also get, you know, big quarts of chicken salad. We got some red beans and rice. So it's a good combo of get your takeout, but also get, you know, some some grocery items and they'll bring it to your car and it's all pretty easy. Well, to- I have to get down there and give them a try. That sounds yeah. good. Yeah, it was good. I also will endorse something that uh, you've probably done and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have done. Uh, and that's a, a Zoom happy hour with friends. Uh, I did it last <laughs> night uh, with my friends uh, Jay Barth and Chuck Clyde and Gabe Gentry uh and I've, I've done zoom meetings before and i've s- sat over my kid's uh shoulder while he's done zoom classrooms and um i've seen those work before but i wouldn't say that any of them are fun but you know when you can get it down to just a few people it was great it was a, a really we, nice way to unwind it's it's wonderful we 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 do a twice a week zoom with our kids and my our two children who are in New York, and that's wonderful in a lot of ways. And we did one last night where one of one of our local friends and my sister got, came on too, and it was it was really great, especially once everybody gets over the kind of learning curve of how to display stuff and you know display your screen so you're in a setting where you don't look like you're off in the corner of the screen and stuff like that. It's no, it really is great. We have one couple we've been trying to do a cocktail hour with, but there have been some technical difficulties on their end. We, we hope we'll eventually solve those. Yeah, well, you have to persist. It, uh, it's worth it. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Stay healthy, and uh, we'll be back next week. See you around.